Welcome to Writing Works Wonders, Advancing Beyond Barriers, where we celebrate skill building and community among authors who are visually impaired through this interactive podcast series. Your co-hosts are Cheryl McNeil Fisher and Dr. Kathy King. I'm Dr. Kathy King, an author, editor, coach, and workshop leader. I've been a professor of adult learning and instructional technology for 25 plus years, and in retirement, I'm enjoying consulting and writing. I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher, and I've been speaking internationally for over 25 years to audiences of all ages on living with and working through challenges. I'm the author of seven early chapter children's books and just finished a memoir with a 95-year young lady. What a fabulous experience writing with and for someone to finish this project. I look forward to doing it with others in the future. I have two series with new releases coming out soon and many works in progress. Thank you again for joining us on Writing Works wonders. To sign up for our announcements, send a blank email to radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. That's radio-announce plus subscribe at acblists.org. Thank you for calling the ACB radio and information line brought to you by Xeno Media. 518-906-1820. That's 518-906-1820. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Today, our guest is Karen Brown. She has a background in English and then retired from the Mississippi Rehab Center for the Blind. She's the author of two books and working on her third with her husband. It's such a great day to have you here with us today, Karen. So welcome. Hello, everybody. I'm excited to be here. We get to talk writing, my favorite yeah. thing. <laughs> That's great. Would you like to start with your journey and about your vision? Because I think your vision loss is what led you into writing. Were you writing before your vision loss? How did this all start for you? Well, I was an English teacher. I majored in English in college, and my career before I lost my vision was as an English teacher. And I loved teaching, and I've always loved reading. Uh, I had some health issues as a small child, rheumatoid arthritis, and so very early I fell in love with books. And I think it's sometimes a natural move from books to wondering, well, what if I could write a book? But I didn't really think about that seriously until I retired from my job as the director of the Rehab Center for the Blind here in Jackson. And all of a sudden, I found, first of all, I found out I was miserable (laughs) because I I didn't have anything to do. I'd been very active. I'd raised a son. Our son was now grown and married. And, you know, my husband was happily into his retirement and golf and things that he enjoyed and I'm just thinking, well, what am I going to spend my time doing? About this time, a friend of mine pointed out to me that she had heard an advertisement about a writer's workshop that was being held very close by. And the man that was putting it on was Neil White, who uh, had a New York Times bestseller entitled In the Company of Outcasts. And if you've not read that book, it's a great book. Mm -hmm. But he then had established in Mississippi his own uh, company as a publisher. That was one of the things that in his work that he was doing, he was right there in Oxford 
uh, and his wife is actually a professor on the Ole Miss campus. He had many um, people that worked in his business to start with who were fledgling writers and people that were editing books and doing things like that for him along the road. And so I decided to attend his writer's workshop, which was a two-day workshop. He said, if you want to write, you need to sit down and start writing. Just don't talk about it, do it. And that was a challenge to me. And I had several ideas about things I thought I might want to write about. But in the end, I decided to write about my journey with sight and blindness. And I entitled the book Sandpiper. And any of you that are beachgoers may be aware of these little birds that hang out right there by the edge of the water. And they're very comfortable both on the land and in the water. And when I was choosing the title for my first book, I realized I didn't want it called My Journey From Sight to Blindness. I want it to be with because I never quit being a visual person in my mind. Right. I've been a visual person for a long time. I still imagine what people describe to me in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I hoped to kind of share that in the course of the book. But I started my, my life story from the very beginning when I was a child. And I carried it all the way through my married life and having a son and into retirement. And so that was what Sandpiper was all about. Just my life story, very much an autobiography. And was that published by the uh, right there in uh, Mississippi? It was published by Neil White's company, mm-hmm. Nautilus uh-huh. Publishing. Okay. However, as a caveat, it basically was a self-published book because mm-hmm. I had a contract with him for right. all the different things that he would yeah. do, the editing, mm-hmm. putting together mm-hmm. the cover, all of the things. And I, I thus paid for that as a part of the contract. I got a certain number of books. But I also got the opportunity to do a book signing at the independent bookstore in Jackson, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. great independent bookstore, Lemuria. Other help with publicity and promotion of the book. Which was really important in me getting going as a writer. And I had the opportunity, because I've lived in uh, Jackson, I I live now in Madison, which is a suburb, but I've lived in this area a long time, over 40 years. And so opportunities came to me from church groups, rotaries, civic groups, lions, things like that, to come and do a program Mm -hmm. and talk about my book. Sandpiper, as uh, Neil called it, back of the room sales. Once I'd given my talk, tried to not be high pressure, but you know, I do have copies of the book available. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and that yeah. was my way for promoting it. Also, um, a small store here in Madison, the suburb we lived in, carried the book and did a little book signing for me. So it's been important to cultivate connections with people that can possibly connect me with other groups that want to have a speaker about a variety of topics. And that's kind of how I've promoted my book. I've always enjoyed public speaking, and I know some people don't. I guess I've always been a little bit of a, well, as a teacher, I was used to being on my feet in front of people. I also was involved in drama and debate when I was in high school. So taking the podium and being able to speak to people was something I enjoyed. And I know some people said I'd rather have a root canal than have to make a speech. (laughs) Mm. But it was helpful for me in promoting my book. You lost your sight in your 20s? Was it something that, was it progressive or something that happened? Was it it was progressive. When I was 
about 25, I was diagnosed with glaucoma. But as one of my later doctors told me, it was not the garden variety of glaucoma that normally responds mm. to drops to keep the pressure in control. Mine never did. And following using all different kind of eye drops, then they started doing surgeries to control the mm. pressure. But my bottom line problem was inflammation in my eyes called uveitis that mm. caused the glaucoma. Uh uveitis is an autoimmune disease and most of the doctors just decided that well since i had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis when i was less than two years old and had flare of it flare-ups over my life that the thing was related to uh, an autoimmune process and that's still most autoimmune diseases are not very easily put under control and so then from uh teaching and being a teacher, would you did you retire from teaching and then go into the rehabilitation for the blind? I did. Uh, there was a period of time after my husband and I moved to Jackson. Actually, when I moved to Jackson, I was able to find a job very uh, quickly. And this was after I had realized my vision was really not probably good enough to be in the classroom as a teacher. But I went to work for the vocational rehabilitation program as a counselor. I had always wanted to have children, but it didn't. I was already getting close to 30 and had not had to, uh, a child. And so as often happens, I went to work and got totally involved in thinking about my work and forgot about getting pregnant. And so then I did. <laughs> and, uh, so my, my first career with rehab services was very short. I retired before my son was born and I was a stay at home mom for about 11 years. When he was in fifth grade, I went back to work part time in an advocacy program called the Client Assistance Program. And I advocated for individuals who were blind and visually impaired and wanted and needed services. Since I had learned all about these services the hard way, because I didn't know anything about them either when I started needing them, I was able to share that knowledge and my work as as an advocate for clients. And I did that for, gosh, I think almost 12 years. And then as I tell it in the book, my dream job became available and I applied for the position of director of the Addie McBride Rehab Center, which is a residential comprehensive rehab center. I felt like I was coming home to teaching, but this time I got to be the principal <laughs> uh-huh. because we, um, we taught everything a person that was losing vision or was blind would need in order to be independent. Everything yes. from Braille and computers to mobility, um, all those things. And I always tell people it was the most exciting thing for me when I would hear one of our O&M instructors working with a client and his new white cane down the hallway and saying, yeah, you've got it. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. and I just thought, okay. They've taken off. They're beginning to find their new wings as a blind person. And that was so exciting for me. I loved my job at Addie McBride working with the clients. Makes a difference when you have a passion for what you're doing, doesn't it? It just, you know, I remember when I was in college, a book I read was Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. It's something I've always held on to that you know, before I lost my sight after different things that I've done, that having a passion for what you love to do, and then everything else will fall in place. It doesn't always happen. But I think we're very fortunate when we can say we love what we do. And now you're writing. I think one of the things when you were writing, right, were you using Zoom text? Or were you then at that point of JAWS when you started writing? I, I was already using JAWS. 
really interesting. When I went back to work as an advocate, I began to use a computer, and that's so far back it was in DOS. I remember and that. I, I transitioned from the DOS computer into the early versions of JAWS. Finally, it was DOS left us behind, and we had to move into Windows. Mm-hmm. And I think that's in a way, that's one of my giant fears that technology now it continues to speed up and things change so quickly. It's it's really mind-boggling to try to keep up. Right now, I wrote my first two books in Windows 7, mm-hmm. and I have a Windows 10 computer now, and I'm pulling my hair out with my current book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For myself, what I've struggled with in Windows 10, and I have the Office, one of the most recent ones, what I found was the uh, spell check and stuff was so different than it was in the uh, older versions. That's when I switched over to my iPad. I do a lot on my iPad now. How do you edit when you're in using your Windows now? When you say, I'm sorry if you're pulling, don't pull your hair out while we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just do. Uh, it's, okay. It gets more cumbersome and time consuming. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I'm slowly getting, the, getting into it. Um, yeah. This last book, especially in Windows 10, uh, I have Microsoft Windows, Windows 10 computer. Mm-hmm. It's been a challenge. Right now, I have a manuscript that's almost finished, and I've got to figure out how to put the page numbers in it, mm-hmm. which I don't know how to do yet. I mean, we're, my husband is sighted, so possibly he will be able to help some. But the other day, when we were looking at the manuscript, and he was looking at the stuff on there, and he could see, <laughs> it wasn't straightforward at all. So, mm-hmm. But we'll get there at some point. Or- well, I have I have a solution for you. Have you used Be My Eyes yet? Have you ever tried that app? No, I have not. Okay, okay. so on Be My Eyes, it's a free app. Uh-huh. Microsoft and Google, the two of them are two tech companies that are connected to them. You can use your phone through the app. You go to the tech part, uh, services. You'll see advanced, and then there's tech, and Microsoft is there. And you click, and I point the computer, and they guided me through what to do, and then they took over the computer, but it's a free service, you get somebody actually from Microsoft who's familiar with accessibilities who will help you. There you go. They can help you with page numbers, probably. Yes, that's true. Well, I have used the helpline for Microsoft uh, Disability Helpline before. As a matter of fact, with my current book, I was trying to move all of the chapters into a file with the book title as the heading. Mm. And I was struggling with that. And they got online, and, and that's what they did. They took oh, uh, nice. over the computer, yeah. and within you know seconds, they had worked their magic and had it done for me. Yeah. Oh, isn't that great. great? I mean, when somebody says, can I take over your computer? Yeah, have at it. Have a party. That's fine. Just talk me through it. Tell me what you're doing. But I'll just, I'll just sit back and please take it over. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a relief to have that help. Absolutely. Because I'd like to learn myself, but then if I have to ask for help, I'll please talk me through it so I'll remember how to do it and, I, and I'll record it a lot of times so I can hear I've got it on so then I can go back to that and reference it also that's a great idea to record it yeah. I need to remember to do that the next time I'm uh, uh-huh. calling Microsoft so yeah <laughs> and what's your new book about my new book is titled a year-long honeymoon and when I was 21 this was during the height of the Vietnam War and my husband to be had dropped below 12 hours uh, and lost his student deferment back in 1966. Mm-hmm. A lot of you are probably a lot younger than I am, so that 
that may not be history that you lived through. But so instead of being drafted, he signed up for three years so he would not be strictly an infantry and he could choose a type of training. And he ended up training as a medic and an operating room technician. And when his training was finished, he was sent to Germany for 26 months, which was the remainder of his three-year commitment. Well, I was in college in mid-junior year, and before he flew to Germany, he had asked me to marry him and put a ring on my finger. So what I was trying to figure out is how to get out of college as fast as I can so I could fly to Germany and get married. (laughs) And I did that. Uh, When I was 21, I flew solo from uh, Jackson, Mississippi to Frankfurt, Germany. And in my introduction to the book, A Year-Long Honeymoon, The title of the introduction is Wild and Crazy. And I say to begin with, no one has ever characterized me as a wild and crazy person. But when I tell them I flew to Germany by myself Mm -hmm. to marry a man I had not seen in 15 months, they shake their heads and say, yes, that's wild and crazy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of the book. And we were there an entire year. Every time my husband had a little time off, he worked in the surgery at the largest military hospital in Europe, which is where a lot of times if they're airlifting people out of places like uh, the Middle East or something back Mm -hmm. when we were having soldiers injured there, they come to the hospital in Landstuhl, Germany, where he worked Mm -hmm. as a surgical technician. And so we lived there in Germany for a year. And every time we had some time off, we hopped in our little green W and went off to see another country. So basically, in the year we were there, I got to see almost all of Europe. And of course, I was excited at the time. So, yes, it was, you know, a year long honeymoon. And to this day, we um, just celebrate that we had that time together in Europe. And my husband's been going back through slides and things that he took which is 53 years ago. And we'll have some of those pictures in the book, which this has been kind of interesting. Our 44-year-old son began going through the pictures and it was very quiet. You know, it's like, gosh, mom sure looks young. Or something like that. Uh-huh. Don and I, my husband and I are real excited about getting this book out there because yeah. it really is something that was such a special part of our lives and mm-hmm. we want to share it with others. Oh, what a nice, nice experience. It's, uh, you know, and Michael Gandhi was talking about uh, his experiences in, around in different countries and over in Europe. And that's interesting that the two of you, now we have you here to talk about yours. We're at about one thirty here, so I'm so I think what I'd like to do is it open it up for people to ask questions and talk to you. I also have a, a writing prompt that in between, if someone does want to share their bio, feel free to uh, come on and share that. But I hope that you have some questions. And before we get off, we'll make sure that Karen gives in, uh, her contact information, how you can get a copy of her book. So get your recorders ready for by the end of the call. If you can't stay, this is being made into a podcast so you'll be able to catch it again holly are you there okay this is holly my question to you is uh karen do you have any of the books in audio yes the first book which is sandpiper was recorded here at the local uh library services for the blind in jackson Mm -hmm. mississippi Mm -hmm. and it's on interlibrary loan actually it was recorded by a college classmate And I I teasingly told her, I said, you are probably one of the few people other than my husband and my brother who still 
are on the planet and remember me when I was sighted. <laughs> because at this point in my life, most of the people I know did not know me as a sighted person. Mm-hmm. So my friend Carol recorded it right here in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and it's available on Interlibrary Loan. That's the one, Sandpiper, My Journey with Sight and Blindness. My other book, Go With Your Dog, and both books are available on Kindle, too, through Amazon. Sean Barrett has her hand up. Would you like to go and unmute yourself, Sean, please? Hi, Sean. I wanted to say that I wanted Karen to talk a little more about the second book, Go With Your Dog. She's had three three dogs, Karen. Three. Mm -hmm. Three wonderful dogs. Guide dogs from seeing eye. She and I happened to be in the same church in Sunday school class, and I've known Karen for a long time, and the dogs are just wonderful. I just thought that would be especially interesting to guide dog users. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that. And yes, would you share with us about your second book, some more about that? Yes, that's been just one of the happiest writing that I ever did because by the time I wrote the book, all of the dogs had worked wonderfully and they were gone out of my life and I still miss them. They were each amazing and unique in their own way. I went to get my first dog the spring... Well, it was right before my son was going to start first grade. So I knew by that point he'd be gone all day long in school and I would have time to devote to working with my dog. And my first dog, (laughs) we'd had only little dogs growing up, little mutts and different kinds of dogs. And I will never forget when the trainer handed the uh, leash over to me and I thought I had the biggest dog I'd ever seen in my life. (laughs) A huge German Shepherd, quite intimidating to me, Uh but... She was such an amazing dog because Mm -hmm. when I brought her home, the neighborhood I lived in had no sidewalks. And she had to learn to hug the shoulder of the road and learn to indent Mm -hmm. at street crossings. She was just so smart. She probably taught me more than I ever taught her. And Mm -hmm. she lived for 10 years. She was a great worker for 10 Mm -hmm. years and went everywhere with us. And of course, my son was six. By the time I was moving on to get a second dog, he was already nearing the end of his high school years. Mm -hmm. But my second and third dogs were both golden retrievers. And they were also very special. And so for 25 years, I had an amazing amount of freedom because of those three dogs from the seeing eye. So when I wrote that book, I dedicated it to the men and women of the seeing eye. And I said, who love the dogs and believe in the people they train, and they do. I didn't know if I could work with a guide dog or not, but I was really uh, blessed to have wonderful trainers and wonderful folks supporting me through the seeing eye. That's wonderful. Thank you. Okay, Carol has her hand up. Okay. Hi, Carol. Hey, Lou. I had a question as far as, do you guys have any solution for like story, like a storyboard? I think when I sit down, I just kind of let it flow. I let it flow. I remember the writer's workshop that I referred to back at the beginning of my talk. And one of the things Neil White said is just write. Just, you know, sit down and start writing because you never know what's going to come out and you don't have to edit yourself while you're writing. That comes later. That kind of gave me the freedom to do that. Okay, it doesn't have to be grammatically perfect or follow a, a, a storyline at this point because that's what the editing process is about later. And some people choose to say, well, I want to sit down and write every day a certain amount of time. For me, it's when I get into a project, I'm just so into it that I can't wait to sit down and, and do some more. Mm-hmm. The editing is the hard part, which comes later, but 
the part when you're in the zone, so to speak, and it's just it's all coming together and you want to get it down as fast as you can. That's the exciting part for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just thought of something new I need to put down. Mm-hmm. I remember doing this or or some other experience with the dogs or when we were traveling through Europe or something. To me, I love that creative process of just being free to write it all out. Worry about the editing at a later date. <laughs> okay. What I do is Say I'm writing and then all of a sudden I have another thought and I might do two or three, four spaces, you know, like make a big gap between paragraphs. So I know I've got different thoughts that just for some reason that that seems to help me a lot with separating mm-hmm. ideas out, because then if I have this big gap, then I have something I want to go add to it. I think, OK, so then I can listen, I can flick up and, and find certain things. I also when I get ideas, I'll use the little notepad in you know, right there that's on the main screen of our iPhones because I don't always need to have a title of it. But if I just start and I dictate in a note or voice your voice memos, but at least when you're dictating in a note, you can go back through all these notes you have and you can just, you'll, Mm -hmm. you'll be refreshed by a line. You know, you don't even have to worry about categories, anything like that. Just that's helped me too over time to have them in little notes or when I'm writing, do three, four spaces to separate my paragraphs out. I think I've said to you, my biggest challenge still is the calendar. I lived by my daytimer. I still, after all these years, and and miss that. So there's still part of us that we want to use our site, but learning to adapt and and asking questions like you just did, Carol, and I hope that helps you. Carol, we have two more hands. Can I just ask real quick? Um, So you're using, so you're, um, are you using your actor reader to take like some notes or are you like depends on what's handy i've got i've got victor reader i use my victor reader when i was recording with denise when i just did her memoir in the iphone there's a notes thing that you can record you can hit dictation and dictate it or there's a voice memo in the iphone that i've been doing using that a lot with now too thank you you're welcome thank you debbie green yes Hi, Debbie. Hi. This is uh, this is my first time on this, and it's a great thing you're doing here. Karen, you. your first book, Karen, was a was a self published. Were your other two also? Uh, my second book was also yes. I used a local person who is an editor. Okay. For my second book, because Neil White had closed his publishing business at that point. Was, okay. Well, he was no longer publishing what they call consumer publications. But I found uh, a local editor, and he had a graphic designer that he had worked with numerous mm-hmm. times. And so the Go With Your Dog book, uh, he and the graphic designer helped lay out the book. And then I had a friend who had painted a painting of my three dogs. And the Mm -hmm. picture on the cover is that painting. So the dogs are very much people that knew me look at the painting and they're, oh, yeah, I know. I I gave a copy to my dentist not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And he picked it up. When I handed it to him, he said, man, I knew all those dogs. They used to all sit right over here by the chair. (laughs) And he was so excited because he is the dog person. So the editor, the graphic design editor and the editor of the book put the book together and then he had a particular printing company that he 
felt very comfortable with that he'd used a lot over the years. And they simply uploaded all the files to the printing company. And a few weeks later, I had copies of my printed book. But there again, it was a self-published book. I absorbed the cost of all of that. And like I've told people, it can get to be an expensive hobby. (laughs) But then, of course, I I do recoup some of the cost when I sell the books. I may not recover all of the cost, but the joy of being able to do the book and share, I gave a lot of copies away to family and friends because Mm -hmm. I knew they would, they knew me, they knew all those dogs. Mm -hmm. That would be something they would enjoy reading. I wanted to do this because I've learned so much about publishing and writing since I've started. Just learning, I learned a lot from the Writer Magazine, which is on Bard and comes out every month. And you can have a notification in your email knowing that it's come in. That helped me a great deal learning about ISBNs. Just introduced me into so much of the publishing and writing world. I'm really grateful that you're here. And would you like to share your where people can get your books and your if you if you feel comfortable your contact information? Sure. You don't have to do per- anything personal information though. That we can they'll have to go through ACB through Cindy to get. But your any kind of business information is fine. Okay. Well, the books um, Sandpiper and Go With Your Dog are on Amazon. Go With Your Dog is not in paperback, but Sandpiper is in both. And you can reach me at my email address, which is kebrown one at comcast.net. Thank you, Karen, for sharing your information. We appreciate you being here with us today and wish you the very best to you and your husband on your new book. Thank you for joining us today at Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to be with you. Now tap or click on that button that says subscribe so that you will not miss our show. There's also a link right there for you to click or tap on that'll take you directly to our show notes where you'll find everything that we just talked about. You can go to our website at www.writingworkswonders.com and our email is writingworkspodcast.gmail.com. We hope that you feel encouraged and inspired. We want you to feel and know the wonder in writing. Until next time, keep on writing. Thank you.